Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Jay Wilder Guru. This is my technically first podcast under the new podcast name of the Jay Wilder Guru Sports Show. I am a member of the Rehab Sports Guys. I would like to give a big shout out to 12 Ounce Sports Radio for having us. We have done two episodes. You can find us at the Rehab Sports Guys. Find our page on Twitter. Big shout out to Ian Hull, my boy. You can find him at Sports Talk Ian on Twitter. And my boy, David Dillavu. You can find him at David underscore Dillavu. D-I-L-L-A-V-O-U. We refer to him as Vu. I would like to give a big thanks to 12-Ounce Sports Radio. We have loved their opportunity. It's my day off, so I'm going to be popping open a beer here while I shoot this podcast. This is Jay Wilder Guru. We talk about sports and only sports. We are addicts. We are sports addicts. That's all we do here is we talk about sports. Sometimes people get sick of it, but we don't care because, you know, we give the, as Jalen Rose would say, we give the people what they want. That song that I played was by Pillar for the love of the game because that's what we do this for is for the love of the game. So before I start, I would like to give a couple more shout outs to the at the scout team on Twitter. Scout team, you can find them on 12 Ounce Sports Radio at 6.30 Central Time, 7.30 Eastern Time on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. You can find the Rehab Sports Guys on Tuesdays, 11.30 Central and 12.30 Eastern. Now that we have done the introductions, we are going to get into the meat of why we do this. This is sports, and this is my favorite time of the year. Yes, I am not talking about the beginning of the baseball season. Listen, there's 162 of those games. We will get to that at some point, but probably not today because it is NBA playoff time. That was a weak-ass drum roll I just did, but who cares? We're having fun. Let's get into the playoffs. The playoffs kicked off this weekend, and I'm going to go through some of the games, not in order in which they were played, but there were eight games this weekend, so all the series have had at least one game. The NHL playoffs are going on. If that's your thing, you can check that out, but here we are going to talk about the NBA. And I'm a Cavaliers fan. In fact, I am going to put on my Cavaliers hat, which you can't see because I am not on video. And we are going to discuss the beatdown that the Cavs just took. A couple of takeaways from this is I was very, very, very disappointed in the effort the Cavs showed initially in that game. I felt like LeBron was trying too much to be the facilitator early in the game where I thought he should have been aggressive. And... I think the Cavs are in trouble, but I think they're still going to win the series because I don't have any faith in Indiana. Outside of Oladipo, I'm not quite sure how good of a coach Nate McMillan is. Listen, we're going to have to talk about this Lance Stevenson thing. The Lance and LeBron thing obviously goes back to when LeBron played for Miami and Lance played for Indiana. In my opinion... I understand the technicality of the rule on the play. If you if you didn't see the game, Lance goes up, hip checks LeBron, doesn't make a play for the ball, and then thumps him on the head as LeBron's going out of bounds. He did get a technical, but come on, man. Let's be real. We know what Lance is up to. And listen, I love Lance Stevenson. He is one of my favorite players in the league because of how he plays. But Lance is going to get himself suspended if he's not careful. That's just the reality of the situation. So let's go to the actual game. The Cavs shot 8 from 34 for 3. That is not going to get you a championship in this day and era. That is going to be a problem because Rodney Hood, Larry Nance, Jose Calderon, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson all played below par. And honestly, the second best player on that team in that game was J.R. Smith that even gave them a spitting chance of doing anything in that series. Here is the problem. Indiana is hungry, and I was super, super impressed with what Victor Oladipo, and I'm not even going to pretend to know all the players on their roster, Bonanovich or whatever his name was, he played very well. Miles Turner, when Indiana goes to that physical lineup, it gives the Cavs problems because the Cavs have become a team that doesn't practice, a team that is soft, and they looked as lost on defense as I had seen any team all year. And that disappointed me up to the max because I just think that if the Cavaliers are going to make a run to the NBA Finals, 
the lack of defensive effort has to improve. And excuse me, that was my speaker going off, so disregard the little dee-dee-dee in the background. But we're here for the people, and we are going to continue to talk about this game. LeBron started too slow. The Cavs didn't hustle. Indiana seemed to get every loose ball. Every I mean, yeah, Kevin Love had 15 rebounds, but Kevin Love has to give you more than nine points in a playoff game. If you are the number two option and you have always wanted to be a number one or a number two, and you were a number three when Kyrie was there, and then you got relegated to a three and had your worst month as a Cavalier this season when IT was on the floor, then you are going to have to step up. That is just the bottom line. The Cavaliers have to get their heads out of their asses, get their heads out of the sand, and get back to what made them the four seed. And actually, they need to get back to what they were doing when they had the 17-game winning streak or 16-game winning streak, whatever it was. And I know that was a different team. You had Jay Crowder. Jeff Green didn't show up. As a Cavs fan, super disappointed. Now, this is the first time LeBron has lost the first round game since 2012. And let me be very clear. It is the first time in his career that he has been down 1-0 in the first round. So I'm not extremely worried, but Indiana's coming the ball. If the Cavs go down 0-2, this could be the end of the LeBron era in Cleveland. Ty Lue could get fired. The whole roster could get shaken up. And this is not a good look for a team that has won the Eastern Conference the past three years. Let us go to another game in the Eastern Conference. We are talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, and I already know that some of you guys, Skip Bayless, are out there penciling Philadelphia into the Eastern Conference Finals already. They look impressive. Bellinelli balled out. J.J. Redick balled out. Ben Simmons does his what he has been doing for the past couple months and really all season in becoming a near triple-double machine. They're playing a Miami Heat team that is challenged offensively. And I don't believe that they can sustain this when Embiid comes back, and I'll tell you why. They've won 17 games in a row now, if my math is correct, without Joel Embiid. So obviously, Ben Simmons has found something without Embiid. And this is no shot at Embiid. I think in Embiid, I think Joel Embiid is on track to be one of the great players in this league. Can he stay healthy? That's the question. I think Brett Brown has obviously proven that he can coach the Sixers. Thank you for not firing him because it's not his fault that y'all were tanking and kept drafting people who couldn't play their first year. That being said, let me be very clear. Philadelphia has had one good playoff game. They still don't have the experience. We shall see. I think that and, oh, and by the way, they scored 130 points on a, a Miami team that was supposed to be a defensive team. So all this talk about how Miami, if they would have faced Cleveland, would have beat them. I think Cleveland would have ran them out of the building. I just think that the Indiana matchup's bad because they play, they're play they younger and they play with a lot more energy, whereas Cleveland has some young players. But when you have to start LeBron in the second quarter because you're already down 20, LeBron got gassed at the end of the game. Still no excuses. You call yourself the king. You've got three championships, four MVPs. You may end up being the leading scorer in NBA history, so let's not sit here and make excuses for a guy that we call the king. We will take a quick break, and we will be right back. Yes, we are back in the building. Had to take a quick commercial break. That was All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled. No copyright infringement intended. But this is just a podcast, so hopefully we get away with it. If not, then uh, we will take it down and we will edit that part out of the video. We were just talking about the Eastern Conference playoffs. And really, we're just going to bounce around here a little bit. So we've covered the Sixers. I think they're in great shape. I think they're going to beat Miami probably in five. I think Cleveland will still win in six. Let's go to the crazy finish in Boston. So let me give you a little background information about what I was doing during that time of the day. I was, I'd gone to church that morning with my beautiful fiance, Sarah. Great sermon, by the way, at the First Assembly of God in Garden, Arkansas. And we came home and we made some food. And so 
she was getting ready to go to work and I was getting ready to go watch the Cavs game. But I was following the Milwaukee-Boston game on my phone, which if you had listened to the Rehab Sports Guys or if you had listened to me and Dillavu's podcast, we had kind of... He doesn't think Milwaukee stands a chance, but I thought they had a chance to be a bad matchup for them. The game was very close. And then the craziness that ensued at the end of the game with Rozier hitting a three and then Middleton hitting a three, sending it into overtime. I was sitting at Slim and Shorty. Shout out to them. And shout out to Kelly Harris and Misty Harris, my bosses, and to Kyle, my manager, and Lyndall, my friend. So I was sitting there, and they didn't have the game on because he just didn't realize the game was on. And I was like, okay, well, I thought that Boston had sealed the game with like a minute left. And I look at my phone and I say, oh, Kyle, 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 turn the game on the TNT. It just got crazy. And so then the game going to enter time, into overtime and uh, the Greek freak ended up, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, never have, never will. He ended up fouling out of the game and Boston goes on to win. They got great production from Jalen Brown, great production from Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, this Boston team, I think, will get out of the first round. Now, they're they're the two seed. So, if Boston gets out of there, they will play the winner of Philadelphia and Miami. I think that this game proves the brilliance of Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, to me, is a top five coach in the NBA. And if I was going to give a quick top five in the league, I would probably go Greg Popovich one, Rick Carlisle two, Brad Stevens. Steve Kerr, three, Brad Stevens, four, and Quinn Snyder, five, Brett Brown, six. Just of guys that are doing with what they've done with less talent, and then Pop, of course, has the five rings. I'd put Spolster at seven, though he hasn't done much without the big three, but he has kept them somewhat around the playoff bubble, and they're in the playoffs this year as a six seed. So anyways, back to the topic at hand. I don't want to talk too much about Boston Philadelphia because I feel or I'm sorry Boston Milwaukee because ever since they fired Jason Kidd that was supposed to fix their problems. Milwaukee seems like a bunch of pieces that haven't figured out how to play together yet. Giannis has gotten better every year and they they have Jason Terry who can always be a factor in the playoffs and hit a big shot. But for me, I just don't think that Milwaukee has it this year. I think Milwaukee would have been better served playing against Toronto, even though the guards, because Milwaukee plays good defense, but they're just kind of a a ragtag group of players that has never proven anything to me in the playoffs. So let's go to the Wizards-Raptors. I don't want to spend any time on this. The Raptors pulled away. I picked the Wizards to win this series, but once again, John Wall shoots a very low shooting percentage. They go asleep in the fourth quarter, so I think Toronto's going to win this series. I mean, I'm going to stick with my pick Washington 4-3, but I have no faith in it. I do not believe that they have the fortitude or the wherewithal to do anything in this series. It's just the same old Wizards team. Bradley Beal and John Waller are a great backcourt. you got Gortat and Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter Jr., and you've got Markeith Morris, and then it never translates into anything after that. So, the Eastern Conference, I still got Cleveland and Indiana in the second round. But if Cleveland plays like this against Toronto, they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in big trouble. They're not going to be able to do this. But Kyle Lowry did not show up to play in that game. DeRozan showed up late. Their bench did all right. And can somebody on Twitter, when you get this, answer me this, why Van Fleet was not playing for Toronto? And if he's not on the roster, why? Because I thought he was a very, he was up there for a very good player. I don't know if he was a most improved player, but he should have been up there with the six men of the year award. Not that he should have won it. That obvious to me is Lou Williams, without a doubt. Eric Gordon would probably be second. And I'm not even going to contemplate on the rest of the league because I don't even know who the six men and half of these teams are. So let's go to the Western Conference. The Western Conference is had a monster weekend. And so what I saw was San Antonio without Kawhi stands no chance against Golden State. Golden State is without Steph Curry, and they started Andre Iguodala at point guard. And it obviously threw the Spurs for a loop. They went with a big point guard, but a small lineup. JaVale McGee had probably his best game as a pro. I was shocked. 
Now, mind you, I didn't watch all these games, so I'm just covering the results and what I think is going to go forward. I think Golden State might sweep this series. I'll give San Antonio a game at home, but I think Golden State will close it out in game five. Not much to see here. And they did step up the defense. So we can talk about Anthony Davis against the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers played terrible at home in this game. I was absolutely shocked about how an ep they looked on their home court. Damian Lillard, too little, too late. Bradley Beal, I'm sorry, CJ McCullough had an okay game. That Nurich guy, he got shut down. I don't even, hey, congratulations to Anthony Davis for winning your first playoff game. That is a feat in itself. And I think that now he has the monkey off his back. I don't care about the series because neither one of these teams are going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Houston and Minnesota. I believe that Houston is too talented to lose to the Timberwolves. That being said, if you need James Harden to score 44 points and you only have two people in double figures, if I'm correct, I think it was him and Capella. Capella had a monster game. And I will say this also. Let's go to the other side real quick. If the Minnesota Timberwolves get nine points from Carl Anthony Towns, they will get swept. Wiggins will not be able to carry them, and Butler, to me, is their most experienced playoff player, player, as Charles Barkley would say, in this series. So we have gone about 16, 17 minutes on the playoffs, and here's what I've gotten so far from the weekend without overreacting too much. Golden State is still the team to beat in the West. I know Houston has the best record, but when they get Steph Curry back, Harden played a great game, but let's see if that lasts. The Wizards are who I thought they were. Cleveland's in trouble, but I think they'll win in the first round. The Sixers, let's see if they can sustain playoff success. Boston and Milwaukee's a cute series, but I think that neither one of those teams can get out of the second round. And I think the key series is going to be Oklahoma City and Houston, Cleveland, Toronto. Because Russell Westbrook... Let Paul George do what Paul George was there to do. Paul George hit seven threes. You won't expect that every game, but I think that the Western Conference final, the West, the Western Conference playoffs is heating up to be something that we have not seen in a very long time. I think it'll be very competitive, and we will be back right after this break with some NFL draft on what I think about these QBs. Stay tuned. We are back in the building. Sorry for a little technical difficulty on the playback. That is Believe by Eminem. And this is the new segment that I call Do You Believe? And for me, I am going to talk about who I do or do not believe in as the quarterbacks in the NFL draft. We are transitioning from the NBA to the NFL. And so I have not got to talk about the quarterbacks in this draft. And I would like to give my nuggets on a couple of these quarterbacks and what I think. So in order of quarterbacks that I feel in my rankings, I have one, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks that I'm going to talk about. I've got Darnold 1, Sam Darnold from USC. I've got Josh Rosen 2 from UCLA. I've got Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, number 3. I've got Josh Allen from Wyoming, number 4. I've got Lamar Jackson, number 5. And I've got a 6 that I'm going to throw in there is Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. So let me start with Sam Darnold. I like the way that Sam Darnold composes himself, conducts himself. I think that he can be a face of a franchise. I am worried about the turnovers. Now, I understand that he lost Juju, his Juju Smith-Schuster, the amazing receiver for my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel that he lost some weapons. The offensive line may not have been as good, but he had a really good running back, and he still turned the ball over. These are going to be quick snapshots, and I'm going to go into more depth. I like Josh Rosen. I read the Sports Illustrated article with him answering the questions 
And yes, I think there was a little bit of contradiction in there, but I like the honesty with Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is can step into an NFL offense and produce right now. I do think he needs to protect his body a little more. I don't care about what Jim Morris said. Go look at Jim Morris' career. I think Jim Morris is great for TV. I think Jim Moore is trying to get a full-time analyst job. He didn't do great with the Falcons. He wasn't amazing with UCLA, though. I don't think that he should have been fired. But they got Chip Kelly. Another story for another day. Baker Mayfield is my wild card. And I know that Ian and Dillavu both disagree with me. And many guys do. Listen, the police video of him running from the police is not a good look. The middle finger and the crotch grabbing, also not a good look. But I love the passion in which this guy plays with. I believe that, and I've also heard this from many people, that his teammates love playing with him. Baker Mayfield had one of the most successful college careers without a national championship. I know he comes from a spread, and I know he's 5'11", 6 feet at best. I think that he has all the intangibles on the football field to be a great NFL quarterback. Josh Allen, I have at number four. I am not sold on Josh Allen. You have a cannon arm, but if you're not completing 60% plus in that conference, in the I, I think they play in the Mountain West. I'm not sure, but they play in one of those conferences that doesn't have high competition. Josh Allen, to me, is one of the biggest risks in the draft. I have Lamar Jackson at number five. And I watched a little bit of Louisville. He's super fast. He struggles with accuracy a little bit, but he he can put the ball in spots. I think he's going to be okay as long as you don't start him day one. Mason Rudolph, to me, is a guy, also another Big 12 quarterback, and I understand the pause. But he had a very successful career at Oklahoma State. And I think as a project for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers or a team like the New England Patriots, I think he could fit in. I think he could develop into a quarterback. I know Brandon Whedon came from that same system, and we were not impressed with Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon was older and was also a baseball player. So I don't hold that against him as much. This is what I will say about all of these quarterbacks. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you cannot select Josh Allen. There is too much risk there. I think if you're the Browns, you have to take Sam Darnold. If you're any other team that needs a quarterback, I think you take Josh Rosen. I know that you may think he has some personality issues, but Josh Rosen can flat out throw the football. He throws a beautiful ball. He's put his body on the line. He has proven that I don't care that Josh I don't care that Josh Rosen comes from money at all. And once again, that was my speaker turning off, so disregard the DDD in the background. I am not sold on Allen, Jackson, or Rudolph. I am sold on Darnold, Rosen, and Mayfield. I think that Baker Mayfield will be the steal of the draft. And I got a lot of people out there that are Texas fans and TCU fans, Ian and Dillavue, that disagree with me, but Baker has proven time and time again on the biggest stage. Urban Meyer said that he had never had a quarterback play that well against him, and that game was in Ohio State. Baker Mayfield can flat out ball. I think that you would be stupid not to give Baker Mayfield a chance. Darnold, to me, is the number one overall pick, and that transitions me into what we brought up on I think we brought it up on the Rehab Sports Guys podcast or maybe on the After Hours podcast. I don't know if we got to it on there. There is a thought, and my buddy Chris, and I have another buddy. I have to look. Jimmy, my buddy Jimmy. We were sitting at the 67 Grill here in Arkadelphia one night and stayed up till like 1.30 in the morning drinking some beer and talking about this. We were drinking Coronas and Shiner Box and having a good time. And we were talking about... The thought that the Browns could take could take Saquon Barkley running back out of Penn State, number one, and they would still be able to have their quarterback at four. I don't remember the last time a running back got picked number one overall. People bring up Adrian Peterson. People bring up Le'Veon Bell. People bring up Leonard Fournette. I get it. None of these players transformed their team into Super Bowl winners. 
Adrian Peterson is one of the best running backs I have seen. I watched his whole career at Oklahoma. He has a great NFL career, but what happened when he hit 30? We look at Adrian Peterson now, and all of a sudden, Adrian Peterson is no longer effective. And Adrian Peterson had a full year off of football in the middle due to the incident with his child that I'm not going to get into because I don't relegate how people discipline their children. That being said, I think if... I, listen... If you think Saquon Barkley is better than Ezekiel Elliott, then maybe you think about taking him number one. But what do the Browns need? Let me list the quarterbacks. And I don't have a list here. I'm going to go off the top of the head of quarterbacks they have whiffed on in the draft. They whiffed on Tim Couch. Tim Couch played at Kentucky, if you don't remember. They whiffed on Brandon Whedon. They whiffed on Johnny Manziel. They whiffed on Deshaun Kaiser. That's just a small list of quarterbacks they have drafted that have not worked out. They passed on Carson Wentz. They passed on. They traded down and passed on Deshaun Watson. If you're Cleveland and you're Ken Dorsey or whoever the I can't remember the name of the uh, not Ken Dorsey. He was a quarterback. Whoever the GM that, that came over from the Chiefs, you have to take Sam Darnold at number one. He's the most sure thing. You cannot take Saquon Barkley or Josh Allen. I just am not sold on the Wyoming kid. And I know that Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz played in a winning team. Wyoming has never been a winning football program. At least not in my lifetime. I've never heard anything about Wyoming. And so to me, and this whole notion that Lamar Jackson should play wide receiver is, is stupid to me. I think that he's a quarterback. He's played quarterback his whole career. You can mold him. He He's not... Johnny Manziel. Baker Mayfield is not Johnny Manziel. And in regards to Johnny, I hope he is getting his life together and I hope he is doing well. Darnold, Rosen, and Mayfield to me are the only picks in this draft. But someone is going to fall in love with the arm talent of Josh Allen from Wyoming. I think that's going to be a critical mistake and I'm afraid the Browns are going to do that. But I'm a Steelers fan, so I don't care. Go ahead and pick him. Let us transition into let's say the Browns pick a quarterback at number one and let's say they take Sam Darnold and then they get to number four and Saquon Barkley still available but also Bradley Chubb because I sincerely believe that if the Giants are not going to take a quarterback that somebody Buffalo Arizona maybe even Denver will try to trade up into that number two spot. Because I don't care what John Elway saying. Case Keenum is not their answer at quarterback, but he may be good. And that defense is not as good. They lost Malik Jackson, that, and they lost Aqib Tlaib. That defense is not the defense that won them the Super Bowl. So I think that if you're Cleveland, you take the best quarterback on the board. Saquon Barkley may be the best player on the board, though I think Bradley Chubb could have that. If I was Cleveland... I would take Sam Darnold number one. You can find a running back. And then I would also take either Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, but I would probably take Bradley Chubb because you have Bradley Chubb and Miles Garrett. Your defense is set for the next 10 years. You've got your quarterback, hopefully. You can find you can find a running back. There's other running backs in this draft. They could get Nick Chubb from Georgia. They could get the, if the Geist kid's available, they could get him in a later round, though I think he may come off the board pretty early. I would like to preface what I'm saying by telling you that I am not one of these dudes that follows the draft months and months out in advance. There's too much information. There's too much skepticism. And the Wonderlick test is stupid. It is asinine. I don't think it matters. There's quarterbacks that have had bad scores and end up being good quarterbacks. I heard some of the questions on Colin Cowherd's show, and I think the questions are absolutely stupid. I don't buy into any of the hype on the Wonderlick. To me, that is ridiculous. I believe you have to take the best quarterback available if you have the number one pick and you're the Browns. Now, if you were some other team like the Giants, yes, you could take Saquon Barkley number one because you have Eli. You may be able to find a quarterback down the draft. So let's get to the New York Giants. Why are... Listen, I disagree with the notion that they benched Eli Manning. Now, Eli Manning, to me, is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league. I've been saying that. I'm on record. You can check out my Facebook page, the Rehab Sports Guys Facebook page. 
And I have a video there, a phone video that I shot telling you about what I think about Eli Manning. Yes, he has two Super Bowls and he played well. But Eli Manning isn't even the best quarterback in that draft. It was Ben Roethlisberger. And I still would, if you put Phillip Rivers on the New York Giants, I think the New York Giants have three or four Super Bowls. That's just my opinion. San Diego has done him a disservice. If you're the New York Giants and you have the number two pick, you have to take Josh Rosen unless you want to build otherwise. Because now you're trying to talk about Let's trade Odell Beckham Jr. And if you're gonna if you're gonna trade Odell Beckham Jr., then you better get a new quarterback because you can't leave statue ass Eli out here with no wide receiver. Sterling Shepard's not a number one. I like Sterling Shepard, another Oklahoma product. I think he's very good, but I don't think he is a game changer at the position. So that leads me into my next thing. Why are the Giants saying they're not taking a quarterback? Well, it's very simple and very obvious about why they're saying they're not going to take a quarterback because they're afraid of the backlash that came when they broke the consecutive start streak by Eli with Principal McAdoo, as Bomani Jones calls him, which I agree with. They had to get McAdoo to fuck about the paint. I get that. You have to get this. When you have a pick in the top five, you have to get that pick right. You can't draft a Jamarcus Russell. You can't draft a Mario Williams, who ended up being a good player, but not a transcendent player. You can't draft Kiwana Carter from way back in the day. Penn State guy, a lot of you guys don't even know who I'm talking about because you're too young or you didn't follow football back then. So we're going to take another break and we'll be right back with some random ins and outs and we will finish up the podcast. Maybe a little early today because I don't have a lot to talk about and I'm running out of steam. So we will be right back with the Jay Wilder Guru Podcast, or the Jay Wilder Guru Sports Show. You guys decide. And we are back. That is my time with Fabulous and Jeremiah. That was off of the Loso's Way album that came out in 2009. And yes, my time, my time, my time. Now it is my time to address the tanking in the NBA. Oh my goodness, I have never seen so many teams tank in my life. And one of them is not Philadelphia because I guess the process actually worked. So what are we talking about? What are we really talking about? So the tanking in the NBA works like this. If you are able to get a bad enough record, then I'll actually let me go ahead and list the lottery in order. So you have Phoenix at number one with 21 and 61. They have a 25% chance to get the number one pick and a 64.2% chance to get a top three pick. You have Memphis at 22 and 60. They lost like 18 games in a row, at least one. I think it's 18. They lost a bunch of games in a row. They have a 19.9% chance to get the one pick and a 55.8 to get a top three. Dallas won the coin flip at 24 and 58. So they're like at 13 point like seven and i think atlanta's at like 13.6 to get the number one 42.6 and 42.6 to get a top three orlando's 25 and 57 with like an eight percent chance and a 29 percent chance at the top one and one and three chicago and sacramento with 27 and 55 they have about a five percent chance and an 18 percent chance that's the one and the three pick cleveland is 20 or brooklyn was 28 and 54 but cleveland gets that pick Listen, this is why teams tank, because everybody feels like this may be a semi-deep draft this year. How do we convince the teams in the league not to tank? Yes, I slapped that notebook on the table for emphasis, because you had so many G League players playing this year, and I get you want to evaluate talent, but you you, you can try them out. You always have time to evaluate talent. The league was especially bad this year. Now, we didn't have any all-time record low losing, but Phoenix is a very young team. Memphis didn't play Gasol through various minor injuries, and I know Mike Conley Jr. was out for the year, and they lost Zach Randolph, and they lost Tony Allen, and so on and so on and so on. 
To me, Adam Silver has to fix this. And my buddy, David Dillavu, who I've shouted out here before, is a diehard Mavericks fan. But I don't believe the Mavericks have any room to talk either because there were many games that Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. were not in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you could play J.J. Barea, who we know is just a bench player. Love J.J. Love what he's done for the Mavs. But come on, dude. This tanking has gotten ridiculous. It has gotten out of control. It has gotten stale. It has gotten to the point to where these teams keep building. I mean, Phoenix has been bad for so long, and yet they just keep drafting 21-year-olds. That I mean, now, this is the thing that people are going to tell me about why you should tank. And they're going to bring up Philadelphia. And yes, it has worked for Philadelphia. But what does that do to the fans? What about I mean, what about the the fans that are paying NBA tickets to go see dudes? There are dudes on rosters I've never heard of, and I follow the NBA pretty closely. I'm a pretty avid NBA fan, and I just this tanking thing has gotten to me out of control. I mean, you've got all these teams sitting here that are just awful. Phoenix, awful. Memphis, awful. Atlanta, awful. Dallas, awful. Orlando, awful. Chicago, Sacramento, awful. Brooklyn was actually a little better than I thought. Then you got teams like New York and the Lakers and the Hornets and the Clippers and the Pistons and the Denver that were I, right? I honestly think that the Lakers are the one team that could have tanked even more this year but didn't. And they were starting a lot of young guys. Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Chris Kuzma. Help me out. Brandon Ingram. I think that team actually has a bright future, but I'm afraid that team is going to try to flip all those guys and chances to get LeBron and Paul George. The NBA is unwatchable when you have guys that aren't the most talented that are sitting that are not playing. Like You've got guys like Marcus All that has a sore ankle sitting out games. I mean, this is what happens when you have fully guaranteed contracts. This is what happens when you have players that aren't playing because, and it's not that I think the players on the court are throwing games. I don't believe that for a second. But the organization is say, hey, how can we put the sorriest ass roster out here that we know cannot compete so we can aim for this draft pick? Somebody had a good idea, and I don't remember who it was, and I apologize, was saying that maybe they should do the draft lottery in opposite order. Whereas the teams that actually got close to the playoffs have a better chance at the number one overall pick. Because maybe that would entice teams to stop tanking so much. Now, I understand players like Devin Booker said he's tired of losing. He's tired of not being able to, you know, get to the playoffs. But some of this tanking stuff is just getting absolutely ridiculous. And I'm tired of seeing it. Like, I'm glad I don't live in... Like, Memphis was so good for so long. And then you just blow it up. Chicago... I mean, Bobby, they have Bobby Portis and that marketing dude. They traded Miritich, and I and I can't name you anybody else on that roster at all. And it's just, this league is so championship or bust driven. And in the Eastern Conference, I mean, so many teams have blown up their rosters because they couldn't beat LeBron. Indiana did it, but Indiana did it the smart way. Indiana went and got Victor Oladipo, and they went and got Bogdanovich. And if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I apologize. They've got... Uh, What's the kid's name? Miles Turner. Like, they're at least making efforts to stay competitive. They brought Lance Stevenson back, which is great for that city. I'm just against this notion that we have to tank because nobody wants to watch that. I just feel like they're putting too much hopes and dreams, and then they get these players out of college who play one or two years that aren't ready to play in the NBA. And here's my next topic. Let's talk about AAU. When I was, I'm from Arkansas, so there, we had the, I think we had the Wings and a couple of other teams. I don't even remember their names because the AAU is basically is where the I believe the isolation basketball era came from. Guys get on an AAU team. The most talented guy always has the ball, and then you get these guys from overseas in Europe that pass the ball wonderfully. They they're always moving. They're always moving without the ball. They communicate better. They're more fundamentally sound. So I feel like we're going to have a league full of Stephon Marbury's, a league full of... Remember the early 2000s? You had a bunch of one-on-one players in the league, and that's why we ended up losing the Olympics in 2004. And that's why for like 10 years between 2000... Well, four years 
really actually 10 years, eight years between 2000 and 2008, USA basketball was an absolute atrocity because you had all these showboating me, me, me players and not enough team players. That's why the 76ers are so good because they have Brett Brown who coached in the pop system and then you've got J.J. Redick who played four years at Duke and then you've got Ben Simmons who's from overseas and you've got Marco Bellinelli who's from overseas who oh actually played for the Spurs. You've got uh, who's the, they got Marco Fultz but I mean I don't I'm not even counting anything on Marco Fultz but if you watch the way the 76ers play the play the game they move the ball a lot they actually make the game interesting. So tanking AAU, I think it's a big problem. I know that the one-and-done people are going to say, well, the one-and-dones aren't winning the tournament. But, yeah, they're still the ones getting drafted. College basketball may be okay. The one-and-done may have not crippled it the way that I thought it would. But the guys that play four years in college now are there because they're not good enough to leave early. And, listen, I have no problem with a 18-, 19-, 20-year-old kid saying, hey, I'm talented enough to go to the NBA. Let me get the money. Let me help my family. This is not against the players. I am against forcing someone to stay in college for three years. What my proposal has always been is make the G League more formidable. Make the G League an actual minor league system where some of these guys can come out of high school, get developed, not have to go thrown into the league when they're not ready. Give them a chance to grow. Whereas we've got one-and-done players, and there's there's been some good ones and there's been some bad ones. And just like when you were able to go straight from high school to the draft, obviously you have Amari Stoudemire and LeBron James and Jermaine O'Neal and Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant that and Kevin Garnett. Those are the main ones that were really good coming straight out of high school. You also have guys like Kwame Brown. You and, and, I, and I can't name them off the top of my head, but you've seen these guys come straight out of high school, play a couple years, or guys that play one year in college and then they're just not ready for the NBA. It is a huge, huge, huge lifestyle change when you go from being the big man in high school into, hey, I'm in the NBA, the women are there, the drugs are there, the money is there, the alcohol is there, the parties are there, Vegas is there. You've got people coming at you for money. You've got endorsements. You've got agents. You've got people that you barely even know that are going to be asking you for money, and you're telling an 18-year-old kid that, he should be ready to handle all that comes with that lifestyle. I mean, basketball players are the new rock stars. That's the difference between basketball and the NFL. The NFL players wear helmets, so if you're not a star, we may not recognize you as much. In basketball, you're on all the commercials. You're with Dame Lillard, great commercials. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, Charles Barkley. All these guys, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. All these guys have commercials. All these guys are selling their brand. And we're asking 18-year-old kids to be ready for that. And I can tell you for a fact, when I was 18 years old, I would have wilted under that pressure. It's kind of like in the rap game when you get all these guys who go, like Drake started from the bottom, now I'm here, which whatever. But they get to the top and then they have all these outside influences and all these people like, oh yeah, by the way, I helped you get here. You owe me some money. People trying to rip them off. Agents in college trying to rip them off. The whole Louisville FBI scandal, which, by the way, let me get to the FBI scandal. The FBI scandal is not going anywhere, people. They let it slide during March Madness. Now Kansas and one other university got implicated in it. And my question is, when is the FBI going to investigate college football? Because we have seen the horror stories with the U, with SMU, We've seen it with Alabama back in the day. Not under Saban. I'm not saying anything about Saban, even though my boy Dillavue would like to make you think that Alabama's only getting good players because they're cheating. I think Alabama's getting good players because Saban has... Saban has five national championships. He's got... He's got... No, Saban has six national championships. He's got one at LSU, five at Alabama because he won against Texas, Notre Dame, LSU... Clemson, and then Georgia. So Saban's got five national titles at Alabama, one at LSU, he's six and one. He's been to seven national titles. I think players want to play in the best conference, <clears throat> the SEC, and they want to play for a team that puts players regularly in the NFL, Alabama, and the team that wins national titles, Alabama, and the team that wins the SEC, Alabama. And so all the other programs are now cheating to catch up 
And so we have to figure out what are we defining as amateur athletes. I went on a big, long tangent, and I know I went from college basketball to college football, but I think that we need to make sure that when these kids are put into these leagues, see, baseball has it right. Baseball has a minor league system where, and I said this before, where they can hide you. And what I mean by hide you is you can go to single A, double A ball, triple A ball, and you can struggle for a little bit, and you're not on national TV every day missing 15 shots, and like you are in basketball, or you're not getting burned as a as a as a cornerback in the NFL getting burnt by a receiver who's been there for three or four years and has been a part of the system. That is what I think helped Ben Simmons be the player he is. He was out his whole first year, but he still got to learn the system. Joel Embiid didn't play his first two years. He got to learn the NBA life. You've got these guys. Blake Griffin got hurt, so he got to, and Blake Griffin had a year. I think a year or two of college. I can't remember which one. If I'm wrong, I think Blake Griffin was a sophomore when he came out. So he had two years of college. He had a year in the NBA where he didn't have to play because he was injured, and then he won the Rookie of the Year. So he's four years out of high school winning the Rookie of the Year. So I think that we are doing our kids a great disservice by pushing them into all this fame and fortune that us as regular Joes don't seem to understand because we don't have to deal with that. I mean, I know a lot of people around Arkadelphia know who I am, but they're not asking me for autographs. They're not asking me for money. I mean, you go from barely being able to eat at McDonald's to now getting a $10, $15 million contract or even a couple million dollars can make somebody go crazy. If you ever disagree with what I'm saying, go watch the 30 for 30 series called Broke. It is a very advantageous I'm sorry, that's the wrong word to use. It is a very informative documentary about what happens to these guys who a lot of times come from low-income families. They didn't come from much, and now the money, the fame, the superstardom, the parties, the drugs, the girls, the extortionists are all thrown upon them. And we sit here in middle America and expect them to know how to handle that. And you're saying, well, they're getting paid all that money. It's like... Can you honestly tell me if you were getting $15 million a year fresh out of high school that you would know how to handle yourself? I wouldn't. And that's just me keeping it real. Well, we're going to be back for our last segment. I hope you're enjoying Jay Will, the Guru Sports Show. We'll be right back. Yes, we are back. The Rehab Sports Guys guy, and that is not the name of the show. This is the J. Will, the Guru Sports Show. I am so used to being with my boys at Rehab Sports. We've got about 12 minutes left on this show. I am so happy to be here with you guys. My name is Jesse Williams, J. Will, the Guru on Twitter. Listen, I kind of want to just take the last 10, 12 minutes to... Show some appreciation for being in the position that I have been able to be in over the last couple of months. So let me give you some background about how this show kicked off. So I was deployed with the Army National Guard to Djibouti, Africa during most of 2017. I left January 1st, spent a month at Fort Bliss, spent about nine months in Djibouti, Africa, and then came back and was at Fort Bliss for a, a close to another month and came home in November I came home, and while I was gone, uh, David and Ian were like, hey, man, we should do some sports stuff. Now, you can find us on YouTube, Last Call Sports. Back in the day, me and Ian used to do some videos, and we were young. We were just way too, drinking way too much, but we used to cover a lot of the NFL stuff. and cover. We, we were going to cover all the teams before the start of that season, and it was a terrible, terrible idea. And, but we got a couple of good videos on it. And so they were like, yeah, man, you got to get on Twitter and we can meet some people and then we can start shooting this, shooting this sports show. Well, we started out in Ian's basement with a phone wrapped up in a cord on a beam shooting a video with a terrible echo. We then moved up to, I think we were, I think we finally got some microphones and we were shooting in the living room, sitting beside each other at a table basically sharing mics and then 
through some circumstances that happened, we were able to get a soundboard through his father. We were able to get some microphones. We came up with the rehab sports guys. We came up with the topics that we wanted to talk to. And now we're doing a top five. And we are blessed beyond all anything to be able to do what we love on a weekly basis. So once again, I want to thank 12 Ounce Sports Radio for giving us a platform in which to share our views. We've met some great people while we've been on this journey. We've met the Scout Team Radio, Chris, Kyle, and Mac. You guys have been awesome. They shout us out on their show, so we shout them out on our show. And these guys are hilarious. Like, once again, 12OunceSportsRadio.com at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. These guys are on for an hour. They're from, I want to say you guys are from Florida. Actually, I know you guys are from Florida. They like the Orlando Magic, and I think they're, I'm not going to say what fans are. I'll let them speak for that. I know that, I know there's a Tebow fan on there, and yeah, go Tebow. But these guys were the ones that listened to our podcast first and told us that they might be able to get us some interest in 12-ounce sports radio. 12-ounce has been nothing but great. We are blessed, and we love being a part of the 12 ounce family girl sports beer or girls beer sports actually excuse me always get your name backwards i apologize they have a very interesting podcast a sports counter and if you hear this and i haven't shouted you out and i missed your show let me know because there's a lot of shows on 12 ounce i don't always get to listen to but 12 ounce has been our home and we love being on 12 ounce and I want to give a shout out to my boys, Ian and Dillavu. We have known each other for a couple of years now. And me and Ian used to be roommates. Me and Dillavu now work together. And we argue about sports all the time. And sometimes we get heated. I got drunk one night and decided I was going to leave the group and didn't talk to him for a week on Twitter. And then, you know, we all patched it up and we're back together. So I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to always have a platform to get my sports addiction out because that is what this is all about. Listen, we may never be famous. We may never make a lot of money at this. We may never be on ESPN or Fox or NBC or CBS. It's okay. We have a lot more freedom and I appreciate 12 Ounce for allowing us to give us our sports opinions. I'm going to let you know right now, I'm not into the politics. I'm over with it. As a member of the National Guard, I can't talk about most of it anyways. But I will say that I am here for the sports. I am here for the jokes. I am here for the memes. I am here to give the people what they want. And I hope hope Jalen Rose didn't copyright that because I do that as a shout out. Because, hey, Jalen and Jacoby is one of my favorite shows. So I would like to just thank everybody who has given us the opportunity to do what we love. All the feedback has been amazing. We had almost 100 listeners, both live and podcast, on our first show at Rehab Sports Guys, which is at 11.30 Central till 1 o'clock Central or 12.30 Eastern to 2 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays. We are not going to be able to shoot a show this week just because of work and logistics. We still have lives. We still have families, and we still have to make this money. And so we apologize that we may not be able to have a show this week. I will be gone for the next two weeks after that. I'm going to go do some military stuff because they pay me pretty well. And I've built some good Army relationships through that. And so I will be watching the playoffs. I will be anticipating the the NFL draft. I won't probably watch the NFL draft because it's a lot of this commentary and clock ticking that doesn't really suit what I do as a person. I'm a little ADD a little bit. Not diagnosed because you know that would be illegal in the Army, of course. But I am looking forward to continuing this journey. I am looking forward to talking about sports. I am looking forward to arguing with you guys and debating with you on Twitter because it's all in fun. And so I want to bring up another point. Let's always keep this fun. I mean, this is sports. It's not life and death. What we do is a hobby and a passion. And it could end up being a job. But if we're going to be honest about it, what we do is just entertainment. We're here to give the people what they want. 
We're here to give them that sports talk without the politics, without the bias, even though we have a bias sports section on the Rehab Sports Guys show. And apologize to my guys, I never remember what our show is actually called. We are actually going to call ourselves the uh, Lunch Break Sports Pod, but it was already taken by, ironically, Philadelphia and Houston stations, because Dillavue hates Houston. I don't have no beef with the city Houston. I've never even been to Houston. Philadelphia, I don't like the Flyers, but Ian's a Cowboys fan, so of course, you know, he's not big on the Eagles or the city of Philadelphia, but hey, congratulations to y'all winning some championships finally, Houston and Philadelphia. Y'all are uh, trending in the right direction. Um, So I guess I've got about five minutes left, so I'm trying to figure out if there is any topics that I was wanting to cover that I haven't, and I don't think so, because we covered the NBA playoffs, and we covered the draft QBs, we covered the NBA draft, we covered tanking, we covered AAU versus the foreign style, the FBI investigations not going away, so I would, if y'all will bear with me for a minute, I wonder what y'all would feel if Rick Pitino came back to the NBA, because it's pretty obvious they're never letting him back in NCAA basketball, that is not going to happen, though. Bob Petrino got a second chance after he wrecked a motorcycle at University of Arkansas and with his lover on the back of it and then had bought her a car and got her a job and then Louisville hired him back, ironically. And so that's always interested me. And I think Petrino, people forget, Petrino had a good run with the New York Knicks. He wasn't that hot with the Celtics and he famously said that uh, Larry Bird's not coming through that door. I think Antoine Walker was his best player, which he had coached at the University of Kentucky. So we're just going to ramble on until we hit an hour because I'm going to post this podcast pretty soon. But if you guys want to talk about anything, hit me up at jwildaguru, J-W-I-L-D-A-G-U-R-U on Twitter. If you have anything to, I'm going to do some shout outs real quick because I can make that last a couple minutes. So if you would like to follow us at the Rehab Sports Guys, that is at Rehab Sports Guys. And if you want to follow me and Dillavu's late night pod, we've got an episode up. You can follow us at, at RSG underscore after hours. That is at RSG underscore after hours. And so this has been a blessing. We have loved talking about sports with you guys. I'm going to be doing this a little more often. I will be posting this on Buzzsprout, and if you give me a minute, I can actually, if I open the right app, give you the Buzzsprout link. So my Buzzsprout is buzzsprout.com slash 170541, Buzzsprout, that is B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T dot com 170541. Buzzsprout.com, one, I'm sorry, Buzzsprout.com slash 170541. We have about a minute and a half, so let me go ahead and just tell you some things that I don't like. Some things that I don't like. Some things that I don't like. I don't like Skip Bayless. Most inconsistent sportscaster. I feel like he's a troll. I don't really respect what he does. Now, mind you, I'm not saying I disrespect Skip Bayless as a person. I just don't like him as an analyst. I don't like, what I don't like about Fox FS1 is I feel like they stole all of ES, I'm not saying they stole, but they they got a lot of guys that came from ESPN and then they did the same exact format and I don't really respect that. I feel like, hey man, create something new. Why is Undisputed the exact same show as First Take? It is literally the same exact show. Come on guys. And don't get me wrong, I like Shannon Sharp and I'm one of the few guys I like Nick right now just because he kisses LeBron's ass. But because I just like his demeanor, and I love Chris Carter. I think he's is Chris Carter should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Another topic for another day. I don't like the politics on ESPN. I'm here for the sports. I'm here for the jokes. I'm here for the drinks. I'm here for the kicking it with my boys. I ain't here for all that politics, man. I'm in the military. I put my life on the line for this country enough. I don't need to get into the politics of it. We are coming up on 15 seconds left in the show. So my name is... 
Jesse Williams from the Rehab Sports Guys at JWillTheGuru on Twitter. We are signing off and we will holler at you guys later. Y'all have a wonderful week. Peace out.